Hello, everyone, and welcome back to But Did They Do It podcast. I am your host, McKinley Daw, and hope you are all having a great week. Um, I'm definitely getting a little bit sick, <laughs> which sucks. I feel like I shouldn't jinx it, but I can feel it coming on. And I got sick like three times last semester. Thought I was going to get through without being too sick this semester, but yeah, I was wrong. Definitely getting sick. It's fine. It's going to be great. We're going to push through. Other than that, I honestly have no updates, but it is midterm season right now. So everyone pray for me so I can pass my classes because it has been a little rough. It's okay. Um, If any of you guys are taking midterms right now, good luck because it sucks. Anyways, I honestly don't have any other updates, you guys. So let's just hop into today's episode. So today we will be talking about a case in which a nine-month-old child was found unresponsive in a crib at the local daycare. Many life-saving measures were taken to save the child, including CPR, but he eventually died. Everyone thought it was a freak accident, but no one was exactly sure of the cause. When the autopsy results concluded the child died from a blow to the head, it shocked everyone. An employee at the daycare was arrested and charged with his murder a year later. This is the story of the death of Oliver Oritz and the wrongful conviction of Carity Buchorn. On September 29, 2016, in Eudora, Kansas, a 911 call came in from the Sunshine Kids Group Daycare reporting an unresponsive child. First responders quickly made their way over to the local daycare to find Carity Buchorn performing CPR on Oliver, who was nine months old at the time. He was taken by ambulance to Lawrence Memorial Hospital and was later pronounced dead. An investigation began to conclude what exactly happened with Oliver and the daycare workers that morning. Child investigators were brought in to talk to the other children at the daycare that day, which, I mean... I personally would not want my child talking to him. I mean, I know it could be helpful, but that's that's intense and traumatizing. Just even that they had to witness that is really unfortunate. Detective Daniel Flick commented to Fox 4 that the two employees working that day, including Carity, had enacted their right to counsel and were no longer cooperating with police during the early days of the investigation. A preliminary autopsy revealed injuries to Oliver's body that could have caused his death. Assumably, those injuries they are finding are suspicious, right? Or else, why would the investigation have continued? If they found, like, internal reasons how he could have died, and the investigation would stop. So, obviously, there's something suspicious going on, is what this autopsy is essentially saying. One thing that is kind of random, but there really wasn't a good place to put, to like fit this part in naturally with the story, but I feel like it's important to mention. So one month before the death of Oliver, the Sunshine Daycare had its annual state review and received three violations. One including a nine-month-old who wasn't Oliver, was not Oliver, who was napping behind a curtain outside of supervision. So... This just doesn't make their case look better at all. The fact that they're receiving violations like this a month before a kid in their care dies. So I just feel like that was important to mention. After the final autopsy came out, basically stating that Oliver had died from a blow to the head, Carity Buchorn was arrested since she was the last one to have cared for him on the day that he died. 
On April 14th, 2017, she was charged with first-degree murder, and her arrest was based solely on the autopsy results released by Dr. Eric Mitchell, and he's a pretty important figure in this story. At a preliminary hearing, Dr. Mitchell said that Oliver had a skull fracture and that he died instantly following a blow to the head. There was also never an indication of brain swelling, which would typically follow an injury like this. You don't get a blow to the head and your brain doesn't swell. That's just what happens. He also suspected that he had been stepped on, that Oliver had been stepped on, and that's what caused the injuries, which is horrible to think about. I just don't like to think about that. Dr. Mitchell also claimed that there was no anatomical reason that led to his death other than the physical injury, meaning the blow to the head. So he's saying there's no internal reason why he would have died. This is for sure the reason. So in July of 2018, the trial began, and once again, Dr. Mitchell testified that there wasn't much time between the blow to the head and Oliver's death. So it was pretty quick, apparently. So since Carity was the last person to care for him, it must have been her who killed him since it happened so quickly. The prosecution also presented text messages that Carity had sent prior to Oliver's death. These messages basically just contained her complaining about how little she was paid and her boss's crappy attitude. So I feel like really nothing out of the ordinary for someone who doesn't get paid a lot and has a crappy boss. Like you're going to text your friends and be like, oh my gosh, my boss sucks, or like, oh, I don't get paid enough, and so you would think that those things are pretty normal for, uh, just like an employee in general, I feel like, but, um, but the prosecution is claiming that this was the motive, which doesn't make sense to me, like, just because she didn't get paid enough and she didn't love her boss doesn't mean she murdered a nine-month-old baby. I feel like that's a pretty big jump from my boss sucks, I don't get paid enough, to murdering, purposely murdering a nine-month-old child. That's a huge assumption, in my opinion. So, for the defense, they had a forensic pathologist from Washington testify that he believed that the skull fracture showed signs of healing and that wasn't actually the cause of his death and that the skull fracture was from an injury that occurred weeks later, earlier since it showed signs of healing. But when it, the doctor was asked if he knew how Oliver died, he said he didn't know. So, that basically did nothing because he... Because people don't care what your opinion is, what this is. People want conclusions. So, like, if I was sitting on a jury and this doctor was telling me he died of a skull fracture, someone stepped on him, I'd be like, okay. Like, you're a professional. I trust you. And if this guy just says, I think it's not, but I don't know what else it could be, that just doesn't do a lot. That, in my opinion, wouldn't have been something that stuck with the jury which is important to land those type of things and make sure the jury knows and is on your side but after two days of deliberation the jury convicted Carity of second degree murder and she was sentenced to 10 years and three months in prison which is a long long time um but it is a nine-month-old child that was at this point everyone's saying he was murdered 
and yeah, that's pretty intense um crimes like i understand it. it it 10 years and three months that's crazy like her life turned around so fast like most times in cases like these you see like a prior record so it's like i mean not that it like justifies it but in this case she was just working at a daycare and a year later she's in prison which that turnaround's crazy post-trial motions immediately began after her conviction and her new legal team contended that her trial lawyers provided inadequate legal defense and that dr mitchell's claim that the skull fracture is what killed oliver was not true in this motion two doctors testified of their professional opinion there is a lot um the sources gave like a lot of quotes and just a lot of medical terms that didn't really make sense so I tried my best to kind of sum it up just so it makes more sense because stuff like this can get really confusing. So first, Dr. Suda Kessler, who is a licensed physician and board-certified pediatric neurologist at the University of Pennsylvania Children's Hospital in Philadelphia, which, good for her, she has, like, I in my mind, these people are way more certified than Dr. Mitchell is. I mean, they I know they go through all the schooling, but like I feel like these two doctors have more impressive records. Not that that's everything, but it is something. So Dr. Kessler said that Dr. Mitchell's theory was completely unreliable. She said that she had never heard or read about a brain death in which there was no evidence of brain injury, meaning like the brain swelling, which is evidence of that. That's always there. The best part about, like, everything she said is that she called Dr. Mitchell's theory, quote, just fantastical because it's not something I have ever been taught, not something I teach, not something, just not consistent. It's not consistent with the medical literature because there is no literature on magical disruption of the brain that causes death and that doesn't exist. In addition to looking through my own textbooks, looking through the two database searches I did, I was so taken aback by all this that I asked my colleagues if they have ever heard of this idea. And honestly, most of the time, the response that I got was laughter. <laughs> Go off. She absolutely wrecked him. And like, that was absolutely like, she worded that beautifully. She's like, this is not even a thing. That is literally nowhere in the medical world. This guy has no idea what he's talking about. Which, love her. I love that she said this. And I just thought it was so funny. So I had to include it. So secondly, Dr. NG is the chief of neurology at Children's Hospital in San Antonio, Texas. And he's also a tenured pediatrics professor at the Baylor College of Medicine. And so once again, really impressive. Right. Anyways. So he said that Dr. Mitchell's theory diverged from medical science and that even though he didn't know how Oliver died, he knew that he definitely didn't die from a brain injury. So these two highly qualified doctors, right? Like they are like professors, they're licensed physicians and board certified neurologists at impressive hospitals are saying this guy's full of crap. Like, this there's no way that did not happen and compared to dr mitchell who is a corner in a small town in kansas you take your pick on who you believe but i'm gonna stick with the people who have better qualifications 
anyways so at this post-trial motion like hearing dr mitchell came to his own defense surprise surprise doubling down on his own theory but he also acknowledged that oliver was the exception rather than the rule basically kind of saying because the two previous doctors are saying this guy's crazy this has never happened ever and that's not that's it definitely did not happen in this case and so he's just like well he's not the rule he's the exception he is beyond what normally happens which that is so rare in the medical world and he claimed that he had actually seen two cases of exactly what happened to oliver in the 1980s during his residency in north carolina which you're like okay great if if you really have seen this like let's see the records and like let's see if you're telling the truth because if you did, then great. Then we know that these two doctors are wrong and there actually have been cases of this case closed. But he couldn't show any record of these cases and he made no effort to find these cases ever. So it's his word against theirs and I just don't believe him. So Carity's new legal team also claimed that the trial legal counsel did their jobs ineffectively by essentially not filing motions that could have questioned the scientific validity of Dr. Mitchell's claims and by not hiring more experts than more than just the one, which did nothing, as we talked about earlier. And actually, at this, like, post-conviction hearing, one of her original trials did, like, admit to this. He's like, yeah, we should have hired more experts. I should have filed those motions. And, like, I didn't do as good as I should have, which, great. Thank you for saying that, because most of the time, it's like, what are you talking, like, original trials lawyers are like, what are you talking about? That I didn't do that. But good for him for, like, owning up to it and, like, saying, yeah, I should have done this. That's very nice of him. So, even though all these people came forward giving very good, like, expert testimony and this guy basically saying, yeah, I was not a good lawyer, the judge denied the motion for a retrial, which, despite the significant evidence there was that proved the only thing they had, as far as evidence goes, which is Dr. Mitchell's testimony, isn't really reliable. So, but it was denied. In August of 2021, though, the Kansas Court of Appeals overturned that judge's decision and ordered a new trial. So, basically, the judge went to prosecution saying, okay, you have this long to find new evidence. We're starting trial on the state. Be ready. And they came, that day came for that trial to start, and the prosecution failed to find new evidence. They didn't have anything, and so the judge dismissed the case, basically saying, there's nothing that you guys can do there's no evidence so like how we can't go about this without any evidence obviously so the case was dismissed and Carrie butte corn was released but on january 4th 2023 dr jane turner a forensic pathologist released a report that concluded that oliver quote died from natural disease and processes unrelated to child abuse Specifically, Oliver had congenital heart disease that put him at risk for blood clots to travel from the right side of the heart to the left side of the heart to cause injury by blocking blood flow in the coronary arteries. 
So, uh, once again, there wasn't much press on... I, I, victim? I... The, on Oliver, in this case, honestly. Especially since he was so young. Um, Oliver's parents didn't make any public statements that I could see in the media and seemed to have mostly stayed to themselves. But honestly, I... Like, this case is so horrific. Even... Even though it wasn't a murder, this child still suddenly died in the care of another person. And I think as a parent, that's super upsetting, obviously, because there's nothing you could have done. And he was so young. And honestly, for this, like, child's death to be publicized and, like, disputed over for years is also super frustrating. I can't imagine how they feel with, like, can't, like, I'm bet they're just waiting for this to be over. And now that it is, and they have closure on what happened to their son. But absolutely, it's absolutely horrible. And wherever they are today, I mean, it wasn't that long ago that this happened. I hope that the parents are doing well and that they, since they now have closure recently, like, a month or two ago and I just hope that they can move past this since it's over hopefully there's no more media coverage on this I know that absolutely can like dig up those bad memories and just kind of remind them of the pain that they've suffered but yeah I hope you guys enjoyed that episode even though it was a little bit sad with the child being involved but I'll be back next week with a brand new one bye guys